Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends and family of the dental business community. Thank you very much for joining the show. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Practice Quotient, PPO analysis and negotiation by professionals. If you are a top-tier provider and you do not feel like you're getting top-tier compensation requisite to your training, expertise, and or competitive advantages in the marketplace, then you should call the fine folks at Practice Quotient. That's www.practicequotient.com. Info at practicequotient.com. The telephone number is 470-592-1680. When you're talking about six and seven figures, make sure that you are talking to professionals. That would be my suggestion. Um, And I'd also like to thank John Ray, who's with me as ever, Reverend John Ray. Uh, Appreciate you being here. Um, More importantly than John Ray, no offense, John Ray, um, is Trevor and Zach have joined us from OMS 360. Gentlemen, how are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing lovely. Awesome. You sound great on the radio. Oh, yeah. John Ray says I have a face for radio. <laughs> uh, Zach, how are you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having us, Patrick. Hi, John. And my pleasure. So national firm, but headquartered here in Georgia, right? That's right. And uh, so you boys have been jet-setting all over the place. It's been a busy while. Yeah, yeah. And so tell me um, a little bit about OMS 360, Zach. Yeah, absolutely, Patrick. Um, so OMS 360 is a doctor-led um, oral surgery uh, support organization. Uh, we are working with uh, oral surgeons in the Southeast and Mid-Atlantic, um, uh, helping them bring scale to their practices, um, uh, which leads to um, uh, value. So uh, really excited about uh, the groups we're working with now and, and excited to, to scale our organization. Gotcha. Terrific. I like the Southeast and Mid-Atlantic very much. Um, would you tell me a little bit more about value when we say we're going to help them scale? Um, what things do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a couple couple different areas. Oral surgeons um, have historically um, been, uh, have come together in very small groups. Um, uh, most of the oral surgery practices in the country are uh, solo doctor practices. Uh, I would, 91% of oral surgeons are in groups of six or smaller. So it's very difficult f- for them to um, invest in growth, uh, invest in leadership, um, uh, and invest in um, technology that would help them run their business. Um, so through through scaling to take advantage of those uh, different investment areas, also um, scaling to reduce the amount of risk um, in a two-doctor practice, um, if one doctor uh, gets sick and is out for six months or gets injured and is out for six months, that will greatly impact that, that business. Sure. So by, um, by uh, affiliating with, with other groups, um, instead of being a group of, of two, um, being a group of 50 or 100 doctors, um, that reduces the risk of, of something like that happening to, 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 one, to one doctor. And so through that, reduction of risk and the um, opportunity to take advantage of scale, um, a value is created. Um, and when I say value, 
value in the capital markets. Um, as you look at private equity, um, where they're putting their money, um, they see great value in these scaled organizations. So uh, can I put this in other terms that I understand? So we are going to ensure that optimal operation um, in order to increase our EBITDA in our geographical footprint to make us very attractive. Without- Trevor's going to jump in here. Please. I think in addition to all the stuff Zach is going to say and has said, and we'll go deeper because that's by far the most interesting, I think. But I think we also focus on the fun stuff. So I think that we want to make sure that we communicate as well that these surgeons typically don't love the administrative side of the business. Who does? And certainly will tell you that they haven't spent a lot of time being classically trained in that side of the business. Sure. So if you think about that pressure on them, that they would probably rather be doing surgery because they went to school most likely for 24, 26 years of their life. And post high school took one business class. What about HR? I'm sure that they love doing human resources. Everybody loves HR, but back to Zach, I just want to make sure that, you know, we also communicate that it's to get you focused on the fun stuff. Got it. No, that's a very important point. I think so. And I think, uh, we, you know, we have a lot of oral surgeon clients ourselves and, um, I don't think that any one of them have ever said, Hey Pat, you know what I really love doing is payroll accounts receivable. How about cybersecurity? Um, that is one that I love to spend a lot of time on. Like Zach talks to me all the time. We're driving here. He's like, man, what'd you do this past weekend? I talked to him about, you know, maybe some hockey and some stuff. He's like, man, I read some books on cybersecurity and it was amazing. Don't, don't uh, forget compliance and compliance. <clears throat> yeah. Compliance that was, you spend a lot of time there too, but yeah. most of those you said are audio books for you. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Really? No. <laughs> hours and hours. <laughs> so yeah. So cybersecurity, we take very seriously ourselves and, uh, compliance, uh, is a necessary evil, but, uh, I'm definitely not putting it as I'm making lists of what's fun and not fun. Um, <laughs> compliance is on the not fun list, but it's crucial to, you know, your business risk. Really. I think you just really upset a lot of attorneys. Uh, no, attorneys love guys like me because yeah. they're like, he's going to screw something up and then <laughs> we're actually going to fix it. Right. <laughs> uh, all of the attorneys feel free to put a like um, and share it and say, look, don't listen to this guy. Um, listen to us. We've had attorneys on the show too. And they're like, Pat, you don't know anything. And by the way, my opinion, not a substitute for qualified legal counsel, license to practice law and whatever state you're in. Um, nor is it a site, uh, substitute for anything else. Right. We're just talking about business here. So with that, do you bring in compliance? I mean, on a, give me the 30,000 foot view on if I'm an oral surgeon. All right. What do I not make me feel good that I don't have to worry about it? Sunshine and rainbows or something. Yeah. And cotton candy as well. Um, so (laughs) we, we absolutely, I mean, we, we lean in, in the, in the, in those areas that, um, to, to Trevor's point, you know, doctors are going to school for the most part to learn how to practice medicine and care for patients. And so, um, we feel like there's certain areas that, that we can really add value, um, around the IT compliance, um, uh, other areas are um, HR, um, em- employing the staffs, um, offering them superior benefits and 401k plans and um, items like that that they couldn't do on a smaller scale. Um, and so, uh, 
when you look at other business operations, um, you know, billing, collecting, scheduling, um, areas like that where certain doctors might have a huge need and other doctors might not have a need at all. So we're really able to, to, um, analyze the business and see where we can make the, the, the biggest impact. I think you, I think you talked about something really important there and I don't know if the listeners caught it. He talked about all the things that we would lean in on, but then he finished with where it makes sense, right? It, we're not going to lean in everywhere. There might be practice that we're partnering with that has just the best scheduling, and so why would we wreck it, right? So we want to make sure that um, we're only leaning in where there's a benefit to the practice and the team and the doctors and the patients in the community that that we do. So Zach, thanks for thanks for calling that out. I think that's really important. Or if it's not broke, don't fix it. Is what you're saying. Hundred percent. And yep. perhaps you be able to crowdsource across the different um, partner affiliates that you have. And some of them may be doing some really, really creative things that you may be able to then expand or replicate across the other organizations that don't know. Well, yeah. One of the things that you, you might have heard about us or, you know, we may have inferred, but not really spoken directly to us. Yeah, of course we're going to share best practices across the oral surgery businesses. Um, but we are a short capital partners backed company. Mm-hmm. So this is about the 40th company short capital partners have started um, majority of those are in healthcare and majority of those are in multi-site practitioner led healthcare. And you also heard us say we're essentially clinically agnostic, right? We don't want to interfere in the clinic. They're great docs doing great things. That's why we want to partner. We're not looking for fixer uppers, right? So mm-hmm. we don't, we're not, we're not targeting that at all. Um, we're targeting great, targeting great practices that, that want to grow and partner and see a nice future in oral surgery. And they see strength in numbers. So what we do is we reapply best practices from the other 600 partnerships that we've done across a bunch of other, bunch of other businesses. Um, and we won't spend a lot of time on short capital partners, but one of the things we're really, really proud of it is one of, if not the top performing private equity fund in, in um, micro cap healthcare space in the U S. No, that's important for, for sure. So that uh, lends a lot to the experience and to um, for the end game End game is important too. Uh, as well. And so I'm sure that they have learned a lot across the other spaces. Um, and, and one thing I'll add to that is, uh, although the practice of medicine is very different um, from an ortho, uh, an oral surgeon to maybe an orthopedic surgeon or uh, ophthalmologist. However, the business side um, has a lot of um, parallels and overlap. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all multi-site healthcare practice business. And so you can take learnings from possibly an, another specialty and apply some of those principles to, to, to others. So um, mm-hmm. to, to what Trevor was saying, um, some people might say like, what does orthopedics really have to do with oral surgery? Well, on the clinical side, very little on the business side, actually quite a bit. Mm, I'd agree. Yeah, for sure. So when you guys are looking for um, partners, you mentioned that, looking for more of a successful practice. Um, and so this is like help describe for me and for our listeners who may include some of your potential, um, partners that you have talked to or are going to talk to or would love to talk to, um, who is, who's the best fit or who's your, your, you know, kind of your target or describe, describe most of your partners. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
as I mentioned, oral surgeons are typically in smaller practice groups, um, of six or below. Sure. Um, so, uh, we we're really looking to, to build critical mass in, in certain markets. And and that's why I mentioned the South and mid Atlantic, um, as opposed to just the whole, the whole country. Uh, we really want to, um, partner with doctors in, in those markets and, find other groups to partner with as well. So you can take advantage of that proximity. So I would say our target market is, um, you know, typically, uh, two doctors plus, um, however, in markets where we do have the critical mass, we'll, you know, we will look at solo, um, doctor practices. Mm-hmm. So, um, and practices that are poised and looking for ways to grow. Um, obviously we do not, don't want to partner with doctors who are you know, on their way out or have no desire to grow. Um, or just looking for an exit, looking for for groups that we can really, you know, to use my uh, my word from earlier, lean in on. You know, we can lean in and help them grow and help them not only um, run their business more efficiently, but also help them grow their footprint. So let me the, let me put this into my own words just to make sure I'm understanding. We're not looking for um, folks that are going to retire in two years, go put their toes in the sand or fish. You know, we'll do whatever. Um, where you guys are looking for folks that have a little bit more runway, um, that are, you know, maybe not in it for 20 years, but they, you know, five years plus. No, I'll be actually very specific jumping in on this. I think the, the 34 year old oral surgeon benefits from this more than the 44 or the 54 year old oral surgeon for a couple of reasons. Um, so thinking about what we're going to do, we're going to bring billion dollar resources to million dollar companies, right? So right now across our portfolio, we have 17,500 employees, a lot of great stuff going on across all these other businesses. So we're going to bring those practices to these local oral surgery businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So what's that going to do for that doctor, or that group of doctors, right? Like Zach said, three, three or more in new markets for us, for sure. That's going to give them a better quality of life because they're not going to be at the soccer field Saturday on their app, tracking HR and making payroll and looking at production and right. So they're, they're going to be able to step away if they, if they partner with someone in their practice, another doctor, they partner with them because they trust them. Right. So if you're going to partner with us, we're going to trust you. You're going to trust us. We're going to really lean in on with Zach's expression on the business side of the business. And you're going to really lean in on the clinical side. So now there's free time. What are you going to do with that free time? you can do whatever you want with the free time, right? We're going to buy a business. We expect it to perform how it's performing. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you want it to perform faster, let's lean in and help it perform faster. But if you want to be same, then your extra time is free time. You can also take more clinical time. You can do whatever you want with that free time. Right. But now as a partner of ours, you're going to invest part of your, what would be income. So in the past you'd make your, wages, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd live on it and then you'd invest some. So what you get to do now is take that scrape and invest it in a private equity fund that's in the top 1% of performance in the US instead of investing it with your investment advisor. So you just you're really just shifting your time from business administrative tasks to either free time or clinic mm-hmm. and you're shifting your investment strategy from public markets or restaurants or rental homes or whatever you're doing with your excess investments and you're becoming a private equity investor. And if, you know, I don't know anybody else in the room, but nobody's calling me and asking me to be a private equity investor because those are big checks, right? Mm. But now this gives you an opportunity to invest maybe a million or two or three at a time 
when you partner with somebody like us into private equity. That's interesting. Where there's no shortage of capital there, so this gives them a way in that they wouldn't they wouldn't have any other way. So I've never thought about it like that. That's a very interesting. Very two two very good points. Number one was the partner in the trust, and the other part of it is. Uh, you're able to get private placement essentially as yeah. an accredited investor, but you're able to get some at better valuations because you are at the ground floor. But am I saying that correctly? Exactly. And the reason why it was so apparent to me is when you were talking like that, that's the way the market thinks. A lot of people come to us and say, Hey, I'm looking for an exit plan. And actually you're about five years too late. If, if you're going to a partner saying, I'm looking for an exit plan, you missed it. You're going to be selling your assets and your patient list. The, the value in partnership, at least for private equity and oral surgery is the doctor. It's not the building the files of the team. It's the doctor mm-hmm. and I- that doctor's ability to produce and the run rate of the practice over the upcoming years. Right. If you think about it really, really unemotionally, we buy, you know, we discount future cash flow. Mm-hmm. and oral surgery is a great business to do it in. Right. And we're a healthcare company. So, yeah, cash so the more career they have, the longer they're going to be a private equity investor, especially if there's recapitalization events and they get to take some off the table every time and keep rolling forward. If you look at the you know average returns of private equity versus the public markets, right? It's the highest performing asset class that, that you can get involved in. It's a way to do it. Yep. That's interesting. So the, I'm going to go back to this partner trust thing. Oh, I've been working with oral surgeons for a, uh, for a long, long time. And I know a lot of them very well. I would consider some of them very good friends. Uh, I would s- they say the same? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I would imagine. Just making sure. Just keeping it light. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and so I speak all the time at, um, their events, you know, and I, you know, I talk about insurance negotiation, blah, blah. You know, a lot of times, you know, they get torch and pitchfork. There's a lot of misconceptions about the insurance industry and you know, some of them are fair characterization. Some of them aren't. Um, and they're all like, bah, bah, bah. And they're like, we're going to, you know, band together. And I'm like, really, you know, um, do you all like each other? And they're like, well, well kind of I'm like, you guys all want to be partners. Huh? And they're like, uh, I'm like, are you guys married? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, do you want any more wives? And they're like, well, no. And you know, like, do you want to get married to all of the men in this room? Because oral surgeons predominantly men, not all of them. Deepa, hey, how you doing? I know you are not a man. Um, but the, uh, you know, do you want to get married to all the people in this room? Whatever state you're, you happen to be in. Um, and I can say, like, I have a business partner and I have a wife, and I certainly don't want any more of them. Right. I love them. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I don't want 20 more. Um, and so speak to the audience about that part, because there may be some fear of commitment. Maybe like, maybe I'm not saying that right. I'm just saying it for me. Maybe it's my own personal stuff, but yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll answer that in kind of two parts. One is, what's the alternative for the, for doctors who want to be part of a larger group. And then um, looking at the, the history of, of shore capital partners. Um, so the first one, um, a, a lot of doctors see value in, in, in scaling the business and bringing in you know, five, 10 doctors. Um, the concern is exactly what you bring up. It's um, do I want to be married to, to a larger group of, of, of partners? Um, and that's a very capital intensive um, strategy, um, either bringing in associates and paying guarantees, uh, expanding, um, sites of service, uh, 
any way you put it, it it's capital intensive and it takes a very, very long time. Um, with a capital partner, um, uh, being in an intermediary, um, and really putting all that together, it's an opportunity to, to see the benefits of that without the administrative burden of, of setting all that up, um, and the capital burden, burden of setting all that up. And so I mentioned kind of the, the second part of the answer was short capital partners. Um, Inc magazine does, um, a, a poll every year, uh, and they, they poll, uh, partners of private equity firms, um, and short capital, um, you know, ends up on the very top of the founder friendly, um, private equity firm list, which, um, is extremely important. It says after the check is cleared and you've partnered with, um, a private equity firm, um, are you happy about it? And, and the, uh, you know, the, uh, that's overwhelming, overwhelmingly. Yes. When, when they ask, uh, partners of short capital. Who's at the bottom of this list? That's a good question. They, uh, I think they only published the top. Really? <laughs> so all the cool kids and everybody else. Well, you just didn't make the list. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Um, so that's, that's a big honor because I think that Inc is a very, uh, a well-respected in independent. It's not like you can buy your way on there. If I'm not mistaken, John Ray's walking around like the paparazzi. Um, everybody, John Ray. Um, great so, job, John Ray, Reverend, the Reverend. <laughs> he, he, yes. He, he likes Reverend. He see that book. It's not a Bible, but he just carries it around with him. So Patrick, you talked about what that doctor might be thinking about, right? Like the mm-hmm. partnership and will they have the trust and, and that takes time. But in, in most, not, if not all cases, that's something that can easily be overcome if you are transparent in your mission, vision values, right. And the way you conduct yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sure does have a wonderful reputation there across their companies. So that's something that, that always shakes out in the wash, but, if I'm one of these doctors, I'm an oral surgeon, and I'm talking to somebody like us, I wonder what happens after that check clears in terms of control. Because people haven't been telling that doctor what to do for a long time, right? They've mm. been at King, King or the castle. near the very top of whatever, whatever command structure they're in, whether it's friend group or student group or family or business for a long time. And And most of them are very type A personalities. Some of them are kind of successful. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say they do very, very well. So what does that look like? And it's interesting. The first time I heard about short capital partners, uh, it was a buddy of mine. We coached hockey together for 10 years, running around the rinks. Uh, He's an ophthalmologist here in Atlanta. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to partner with this private equity group. I'm like, why, why man? And why are you telling me? And I, I am an operator. I've been running private equity back companies for a while. And I'm like, what's your why? And he's telling me how cool they are and how it's going to be so great. I'm like, you know what? Everybody's going to say that. Everybody's money's green, but what's it like after the check clears? And I'd never heard of short capital at the time. And then for the next two and a half years, I had to hear how wonderful it was and how much it really was awesome after the check cleared. So I kind of paid attention and got to know Shore better and and realized they are a really amazing company running amazing companies. And uh, that's when I decided I want to get involved. Um, but to this day, you know, my buddy loves it and the way he was treated as a doctor in the organization as the first group in, uh, was just tremendous. And so, uh, to the listeners out there, if you want to learn more about this, don't talk to me, talk to him. Gotcha. And I'll connect you directly. He's just very happy with how it's gone and he just loves everything about it. Right. And it's not like when they pulled Trevor that Trevor has, uh, not 
doesn't have a track record. Uh, I know that you're in Atlanta. Uh, and so that's how we've met each other, um, in the past through your, you know, previous, um, you know, careers and stops. And so you have a, a pretty good reputation and as, as a straight shooter, um, and you know, you're a likable fella and, that's a good story though, because you're like, wait a minute, I know all about private equity and you're trying to kind of caution your friend. And then not only did he like him, he got you on board. He did. Yeah. Professionally. Sure. As a spokesperson on dental business radio with Zach, of course. I have arrived. Right. And so, uh, that says a lot <laughs> about, because you wouldn't have just jumped ship, right? They would, it would have been, you would have had a wary eye. I would imagine. Yeah. I, I think that everybody, when they choose a partner or a path, right. Has mm-hmm. to be very, very careful. You know, Zach, when Zach chose to come and, and work here and build this company together, you know, there's, there's a lot of things he needed to think about in terms of, you know, what's the right and wrong reasons. I think everybody that, that joins the organization as an employee, a co-investor or a partner, right. Needs to make sure they know what the future, at least have a really good feel for what the future is going to look like. There's no guarantees on tomorrow, but there are things you can line up in your favor to, to give yourself a better chance of success. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Zach, what was it that brought you on? Did, did he promise hockey lessons? <laughs> uh, and no, but he has invited me out to play hockey quite a few times. So um, I've yet to take him up on that. Now, uh, what attracted me to Omis 360 Short Capital is um, I had some former colleagues that I'd um, at other shore capital portfolio companies um, and just always heard them just speak very highly of shore. Um, I've, I've been working with surgeons for almost 15 years now. And, and really um, when I'm, when I met Trevor, um, he just cast the vision of you know, building a, a doctor led um, oral surgery company um, and uh, just loved the idea of um, really bringing value to oral surgeons um, um, because historically there, there really haven't been, um, organizations uh, doing this. And so, uh, Shore's track record, Trevor's leadership, um, the, the, the other executives that he was bringing on at that time, um, just knowing it would fit in really well with, with, uh, you know, what we're building here. Um, we're all extremely attractive to me. So That's really, great. really happy to be here and right. even more excited than, uh, today than, than I was the day I, I took the job. So. Is well, that because you're on this podcast? Exactly. Okay. I, he, he, he never told me uh, <laughs> we would be on a, a podcast. So, um, Where are you guys going to meet all of the fine oral surgeons? Because, you know, where are you going to Amos, New Orleans? Or are you going to... So, Zach knows this better than me. So, let me start because I just love to talk. And then he'll correct me <laughs> and then give you all of the right stuff. So, of course, we'll be at the national show Amos, Right. I'll be at ACOMS in Vegas coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, I will be at the Invista Summit in Austin coming up in a few weeks. So first week of March. Uh, also out there, the ADSO, ADZO, I will be at. And then do you want to take it to the South and Mid-Atlantic level? Sure. Um, be- I will be at uh, a lot of the state uh, society meetings. I will be at the Southeastern Society of OMS meeting um, in South Carolina. The Southwest meeting in uh, outside of Denver, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, like I mentioned, uh, a lot of the state association meetings. I think you just went to the Georgia one here. I did. I was here uh, last weekend. How was that? It was great. Yeah, it's wonderful. Favorite doctor at that event? Uh, I, I don't know if I should, should. say. Okay, then don't. Yeah, 
Uh, least favorite doctor? Oh, I've got that one. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> a guy <Never> named. <laughs> uh, nope. so you, you were down uh, there at the country club in Decatur, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, Druid Hills, um, some good speakers. Uh, they, they were hosting a, a number of residents from, from Emory. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a good crew. Good right. Crew. Can we spend a minute on residents? Absolutely. Yeah, please. Is there any other I, I burning? I said absolutely. I mean, not what? my show, Patrick. Yeah. Burning. Any other burning just, issues you want to? No, I uh, will give a shout out to uh, to uh, Dr. John Muse down there because um, he helps coordinate. That's his membership at the uh, Druid Hills Country Club, which is a fine place. Which has not played taken me to play golf yet, John. Um, Thank and, you, Dr. Muse. Yeah, and also to Hank Holderfield. Uh, you're the man. Haven't seen you in a bit. Anyway, to the residents, uh, I have something to. I have a question because this has been coming up with my clients about resonance, but I would like, because you have a burning desire, I want you to scratch your itch. So William Blair um, consulting has a pretty interesting data point that 90% of graduating dentists do not want to own a practice. Interesting data point when they graduate that changes and softens over time. You think that's because of date or debt? I think debt is one of the factors. I think that's not a real factor. I think that education debt is good debt and you can borrow against it when you buy a practice. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can, if you're a Corvette, I'm sure it's fantastic. But if while you're in dental school, you buy a vet and a beach house and have a pretty spendy lifestyle and you're a million in the hole in addition to your education, that's another issue. But, but I, don't, I don't think that's the real issue. I think people have been told it's the real issue and some of these dentists believe it, that they can't go out and buy a practice. Um, but I also think that some of them just don't want to. I think that that might be more prevalent today in the past. I am not going to say that those statistics hold for oral surgeons. I've never seen it bifurcated for oral surgeons only. That's just I think general dentistry. Totally different demographics, personally. I agree. I agree. But but that stat is relevant yeah. because when we talk to residents, there's this polarizing moment. What do you guys do? We partner with practices to help them grow. Who are you? We are backed by a private equity. And before we, we say fund, half of them walk away and half of them step closer. Huh. Literally. Like that's they will mid sentence, just turn their, like turn tail. And the other half, like that sounds cool. I think that's going to work. So there is this polarization in the residencies on, on whether or not financial partners are good for oral surgery or for their career. And think about it, right? 12 years of high school, 12 to 14 years of post high school. I'm going to own my own practice. I'm going to own my own practice. Hang on. What happened to the marketplace? Right? So there are some people that either don't understand or don't like where the industry is going. And it's interesting because there's a lot of strength in working together, right? Whether you have, if you're a solo, you're stronger. If there's two of you stronger, if you're four or eight and way stronger, if there's a hundred, right? Power in numbers just, Go back through the course of time. I mean, I, I always think about things in leverage standpoint. And so yeah. they're more leverage. So I don't have the answer. I just pose the question, right? Happy to talk that about that further. If anybody has an opinion here, Zach, Patrick. Uh, I, I don't talk to the residents as much. And so I, I, I really couldn't speak intelligently to it. I so can- we know it's a great opportunity, right? Because we, we've walked through it and we understand uh, that they – they graduate with all this wonderful clinical knowledge and not a tremendous amount of business knowledge. Some have applied themselves in, in other courses or classes or undergrad degrees in, in business, but not the majority for sure. 
Um, and I just think it's really interesting that there's this lack of knowledge there. And I would love to educate that market so they can make a more informed decision versus just what I might see now. Yeah. And, and one thing I will add, and, um, and just meeting with a lot of residents and, and, and talking to them, um, going to school for as long as they have, um, oftentimes getting out of residency with a family, um, the last thing they want to do is, um, start something from the ground up and, um, put all that time, um, into building the business. Um, cause it takes away from their, their quality of life and their, and their, their time with their family. And so I think they're, um, you know, there's been a shift in, in what's important to a, a lot of people. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just, it's just different priorities. And so the opportunity to, to join, um, an organization like almost 360 has a lot of appeal to, to a certain, um, subset of, of new doctors. Now, you know, we're not trying to partner with everybody. I mean, I don't, I don't think, um, we're a good fit for, for all doctors, but I do believe there is a significant material, um, uh, number of doctors where, where this, uh, type of, uh, structure and partnership makes a, a lot of sense. So uh, help me understand. And, and for our listeners, so, because I, I do think actually the residents probably listen to the show more than, than I know. And, uh, I was just in Chicago in December and I was across from the art, like the RCOMS and, you know, a lot of the residents are very active within like Amos and, um, we're, we're coming up there and, you know, talking, like I said, it's not, I, I don't talk to them a lot until you are become established just by the very nature of our business, which we're not here to talk about. So for the residents, I can't imagine that what you guys were talking about, that you're looking also for like established practices that are 34 years old, right. That are doing 1.3 and what, you know, and upwards, um, in, in production, if not collections, right are you looking for the residents to become associates? Is that what you, why you want to talk to them? Zach, you have the floor, sir. Okay. I got this answer. Um, so yes, we want, uh, residents to come in, establish their, you know, themselves in the practice as associates and then, um, move into a, a partnership, uh, situation where they are owners of the business as well. Um, oftentimes that associate, um, uh, Opportunity comes with, you know, a, a, a guaranteed um, comp structure um, with an opportunity to, to exceed that, you know, when you hit certain targets. Um, and that takes away a lot of the risk out of out of you know, making that shift from uh, a resident to to a um, you know, full time practicing you know, doctor um, in, in a practice. And so um, I think that gives them a chance to get comfortable with with the other partners in the practice and helps them to start developing those uh, referral relationships and building their book of business before they are on a, you know, a, a, a production-based comp structure. Trevor, I'll jump in fair? on that a little bit as well. So if you think about the way that the marketplace has valued and brought in associates to partners over the past 20 years, right? It's, it's pretty tried and true, right? And so let's just ballpark, right? you hear many, many times the buy-ins a million dollars and they'll buy in a million dollars in this private practice. And then they'll retire and they'll get a million two. They'll sell that buy-in to somebody else or maybe a million three. Right. But, but they're, they're not certainly not escalating tremendous value in the buy-in, right? Cause they, they come in, they hold equity 20 years and they sell it to somebody else. They hold equity 20 years. 
and it continues to go and flow that way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I'm going to buy in. It's not almost like it is. I'm going to buy in and now I'm going to get higher income because I'm going to get partner distributions. That's what they're buying. Mm-hmm. Tell me a 34 to 36 year old, 40 year old that can come in and invest in a private equity return investment at a fraction of that cost. It's just, it's unavailable to them, right? So they can come in, buy in, and then the value of their buy-in as a partner is the same value that Zach and I and the fund realize in the investment. They're literally investment partners with us. Mm-hmm. So instead of a 20, 30% return over a career, or even a hundred percent return over a career, they bought in for a million, they sold for 2 million, which I haven't seen that big of a return yet. Maybe you have, All right? So if you look at our, our track record at top 1%, right? So we, we have, I'm a little reticent to give our exact number, um, but we're running over four times return on what the average private equity fund returns. So if you look at what average PE returns are, ours are at least 4X. Mm-hmm. So, which is pretty attractive to a, a new young partner at a practice to be able to participate in that. Well, I can do math over time. I, and now I'm like, maybe I should have been a resident. <laughs> it takes a long time though. It, it does, but you know, um, fighting with insurance companies, uh, <laughs> sometimes I question my own sanity to be honest with you. Um, I love you guys. Don't get me wrong. All of you that are listening and my colleagues uh, on the other side of the ball. I miss you. I'll see you soon somewhere. Hopefully it's warm. Um, back to you guys. Now, here's one thing that I'm hearing from my clients. Um, this is, so you, you guys are likely familiar with their staffing shortages everywhere, right? Um, and it's not just the provider community. It's also the insurance industry. It's every community. I can't get a, a pizzas to my house with a, when I've got, it's, you know, 10 kids and they're trying to burn the place down. Like I need, I can't get pepperoni pizza. Right. And so the, the challenge for the associate or for the oral surgery practices, they're like, I can't get any associates. And you know who they're pointing the finger at? They're like, oh, this is private equity folks are offering them a lot more money and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, that's probably true. I don't know. It's just, it's not my thing. And so is this, the associates are, is the competitive environment for the associates as much or higher than even high quality and high caliber oral surgery practices. Like do you have any comments or suggestions? So I think when the associate joins a practice private or private equity backed, well, certainly in our model, they join the practice, right? They're still the local here in the community. They're still working the local referral relationships, right? It is a private practice experience in terms of our doctor led group. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that changes their mindset. Gotcha. How do you talk to me? How, if John Ray was 60 years younger and a lot smarter than he is, and he went to residency school and he was a resident. And so, but maybe John Ray doesn't know where he wants to live. Um, how, and you know, John Ray, he's kind of got a different personality. He's got the purple Corvette, you know, he's a little rough around (laughs) the edges. Like, how are you going to know which practice to place him in right out of your portfolio of different oral surgeons? Are you going to give him like a, a, you know, like personality test or like, what do you do? 
So we will bring large company resources to smaller companies, right? So we will do everything we can to match John Ray to the right opportunity. But a lot of this is John Ray. He might just really love Kentucky. He does. He does. Well, you know, we probably focus there, right? So <laughs> it, in, in the end of the day, the, uh, the associates that are going to interview well and are clear and are, have good skills, they're going to be able to work where they want to work, I think. Right. And I think it's going to be, uh, be up to them to be selective where they want to go. Now, if it's wide open and we get to know an associate that we like and they're like, Hey, where can I go? That's an opportunity on their side that they can have one strong relationship with us and then get access to literally eventually hundreds of practices that they can be in one recruiting funnel and be placed at or placed matched really at a bunch of different practices through one contact versus they have to meet a hundred different, different doctor owners of private practices and then make that selection. All right. And then they have to like to be in there. I would imagine for some time to figure it out and everybody's just like a honeymoon period. Like everybody's got their game face on and mm-hmm. like, Oh, it's super great here. You know, you don't really know. Um, and so in your model, if I'm reading this correctly, let's say that you put John Ray over in, um, you know, uh, Lexington. All right. Shout out to all, all my folks over there in Lexington. Love you. Rita, Bob, what's up? And uh, so John Ray doesn't get get along real well with Bob. And you guys are like, all right, well, you know what? John Ray's a really good producer here, right? He's he's a very good clinician. And he just, you know, he occasionally has some, you know, personality quirks. Um, but you know what? He would fit really well with the cuckoo puffs down in Florida. I'm from Florida, so I could say that. Um, and, you know, at, you know, and I'm just making this up, ABC Oral Surgery in Ocala or, you know, or something like that. Um, and, it's a really good group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and But you're like, you know, John Ray's a good guy, so it's just not working out there or what, for whatever reason. And so can you move him? Is he able to move down to, to ABC? I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to the HR piece. Uh-huh. That, remember we said nobody loves doing HR? Anybody in our organization from assistant to front test to, to doctor that wants to, or it makes sense to be in another market. If the market is receptive and there's room, why wouldn't we allow people to be where they want? Right. Cause it, I guess there's where my question, I was just trying to pick on John Ray because I find it personally amusing. Um, but really I think that for some folks, not, not me, I'm married. I have kids. I don't go far. Right. But you know, there's some that are, are married and they're like, you know what? I want to check out Lexington and I want to check out, you know, Ocala or Florida, or maybe I want to go to different places, um, you know, year or two years at a time. I don't know. And when you are married into one practice, that's a single practice, right? Just, you know, partner, partner, maybe there's two partners in one, like you can't go nowhere. You're like, you're stuck, right? You're like, say you we're in Georgia, so it's Augusta, right? So now you're in Augusta. Well, Augusta's really cool when, you know, golf games, championships going on, but, you know, maybe you don't like everything else about it. And and so you want to explore other options. Is that available to these kids? Certainly not as a, and I know, I, I think I know you want me to play, to say yes, but certainly not as a expectation because the practice is going to have to have the opportunity. We're never going to, put a doctor in a practice that doesn't need an additional doctor, right? If the opportunity is there, absolutely. It makes sense. But we have to be very careful to the doctors that have built a great business. And we say, Hey, this guy from California wants to roll into Texas. That's not, we're not going to force that. 
the local doctors would have to agree. Yeah. And in, at the end of the day, I think Trevor used the term match. I mean, it, it, they've got to be a match. I mean, we we're bringing billion dollar resources to million dollar companies and these are still, we're, they're still being operated as, as local practices. So the, the partners there have to uh, be in agreement and be fully supportive of, of bringing in uh, another doctor or, or else it doesn't work. So it's got to work on both sides. So it goes all back to the independent decisions of the partner practices, which are pretty much operating as they were being successful as they were just not having to worry about as much as they used to and having a little bit more fun and free time. Am I picking that up? Spot on. All right. Mm -hmm. I like it. So now if folks want to reach the two of you and they were interested in a private conversation, how do they do that? Zach? Yeah. So, uh, on the internet, www.oms360.com. Uh, you and those are numbers three six zero. Yeah, oms360.com. Uh, you can uh, um, click contact us, or you'll you can uh, also see our our pictures and, and bios on the page. What about Zach Z A C H at oms360.com? You got it. Blow up his inbox. Or yeah. no, don't give mine. Just kidding. <laughs> Mine is Trevor at OMS360.com. Happy to get your email. Gotcha. And if you would like uh if you like the content of this show, please leave a comment or wherever you found it. I know John Ray does a terrific job of broadcasting it all over the world. Uh so if it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc., please leave a comment, uh question, feedback. I am your host, Patrick O'Rourke. I'd like to thank the Reverend John Ray. Thank you very much, John. I know I pick on you a little bit, but you I love you. I do. Um you're getting a Christmas card. Uh and I'd like to thank our sponsor, Practice Quotient, uh PPO analysis and negotiation as professionals that handle PPO contracts and strategic guidance on your PPO strategies. Thank you very much. 470-592-1680. Thank you very much to our sponsors. Thank you very much to John Ray. And I would like to thank Trevor and Zach for what a really terrific show. Did you boys have, have fun? You had a blast. All right. Thanks for having us. All right. To our listeners until next time.